right, we rolling this shit? Let's do this then. All right, microphone check one, two, microphone check one, two. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for joining me here at Heron's Home Podcast. We're going to go ahead and uh, delve into this today. I'm your host, Karee Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Ricardo Gale. And uh, yeah, I just want to take a little time with you guys today to talk about some things that, uh, you know, I think are important, some nuances to life. And uh, that's pretty much going to be the goal of this podcast. Actually, I think a great way to, to introduce uh, people to myself and to this podcast and the temperature we're going to be at is uh, I'm just going to start talking about my problems because that's what people do. That's what they do when they get to know people. But, uh, you know, I, I think I have a very unique set of uh, life circumstances. And so it leads me to have um, a very interesting perspective on things. Uh, my first problem is say, I got to say is I'm old. I'm old. I'm not I'm not physically old. But I'm an old soul, you know what I mean? I always find myself on the uh, conservative side of, of the thought process when I'm around people that are a little bit younger than myself. And yeah, it's starting to, it's starting to become evident to me that uh, I'm a little old. And that leads me into my next problem. My girl's not old. She's young. And she's young at heart. And so, uh, yeah, that uh, that's leads to an interesting dynamic, you know, especially when uh, she's not, uh, she's not aging as fast as I am, not nearly as fast as I am. So uh, that leads us into the next problem, is that I love her, and I care about the shit that she cares about. So that leads us into the current quandary. Uh, We don't meet eye to eye on things, but I care about her opinion. And so we end up talking at length about a bunch of random shit. And I think that uh, those conversations actually come to fruition with some uh, enlightening conclusions. So I think that uh, that's what I want to take my time to talk to you guys about in day in and day out is, you know, those interesting conclusions because they might shed a little bit of light for people, you know, who, who have the time to listen. So one of the things that we most recently were talking about is that she's been watching this new Netflix show, Hustle and Flow, or uh, was it Rhythm and Flow? That's what it is. And, you know, honestly, not for nothing, I'm not a huge fan of, of Chance or Cardi. Um, I am a pretty big fan of T.I., even though he's had his, his, his ins and outs, uh, not only with the law, but with, uh, with some of his, his behavior on the stand, I've heard. But um, the show itself, not to be a hater, is actually kind of quality. Like, it was very entertaining. It was well-produced. The contestants were skilled. Um, Netflix really actually put something together kind of fun with that. And so, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, this is not a paid ad. But, uh, yeah, in terms of entertaining hip-hop storylines and yada, 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 they hit on most of them. So, yeah, for old heads who don't usually like young nigga shit, this actually wasn't too bad. They actually kind of hit on this one. I think a lot of it came from the direction of T.I., though, because T.I. is, is, is a little bit older. He's, a, he's got a little bit more mature of a, of a view on this hip-hop game. But, yeah, you know, um, something else that she, she ends up talking a lot about or I see running across her feed when I glance on her phone to make sure she's not talking to other niggas is uh, uh, cancel culture. Like the idea that the idea that uh, people's opinions should get them canceled. And that's not to say that you're not to agree with other people's opinions. No, you can disagree with them. You could agree with them. You could have all manners of opinions in between. But what I do think that you should reconsider is the idea that you're going to fuck with someone else's money based on some bullshit like they like to go to Starbucks. Do I go to Starbucks? Hell no. Starbucks clearly don't support me and my community. Do I care if anyone else goes to Starbucks? No. Have at it. If you want to support the people who don't support you, 
that is your opinion and your decision. And who am I? We're in the man of America. This is radical freedom, baby. Do what you got to do. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I heard uh, something about um, Obama recently coming out and, and, and talking about the woke culture and the cancel culture and the intersectionality between those two things. That's a, that's a whole nother uh, story to be had, but um, I sure as hell don't think Obama's the one to be having that conversation because for better or worse, you can have differing opinions, but when you use, you know, drones to bomb brown people thousands of miles away, you kind of lose any kind of moral high ground, period. So yeah, that's just um, a thing that I think that we should think a little bit more deeply about before we you know, just jump on the bandwagon because Obama said, yeah, woke culture is too much and it's causing, it's, uh, it's being blind to the, to the realities of political life. Um, you don't have to be blind to the realities of political life to, to not agree with someone else's political decisions. Um, so yeah, just definitely let's, uh, take a deeper look at, at that, uh, cultural phenomenon. Um, speaking of Obama, uh, ethnicity and politics. I see that that's been a very popular topic as of late, um, especially with Kamala Harris stepping into the race. And um, yeah, there's um, there is a definitely a reason to have a healthy amount of skepticism when it comes to Kamala Harris's um, claim of uh, ethnic uh, diversity and so forth, because she's being very disingenuous when she tries to put forth herself as just, you know, your average African-American woman. It's just not true. And, and, and as I said, it's very disingenuous. Um, I can only speak from my experience, but what I will say is that my opinions aren't heterodox. They're very, very mainstream when it comes to the, uh, to the let's say, at least West Indian community. Um, and yeah, it's not that there's no solidarity between the two communities, the immigrant West Indian community and the native um, African-American community, but there is an acknowledgement that there is a different struggle altogether. And each ethnical struggle should be respected in its own right. And to, to claim fealty or to claim that you are descended from a, a struggle that you are not, it doesn't, I don't think it lends to her argument as a politician that she can connect to the African-American vote. And, you know, I think that a lot of people can smell it. You know, she's not doing too hot in the polls. And uh, I think that it, it would it would do better to not make those kind of arguments, especially because uh, racial nuance isn't very big in America. Um, that is the reason as to why you end up getting a mashing together of all of the brown ethnicities when they come into to America. Everyone's considered black, whether you're, you know, Indian, whether you're West Indian, whether you're Jamaican, Haitian. Uh, you can come from any number of, of different ethnic Pan-African backgrounds, but in America, you're just black. And so the history of that lack of nuance has made it more difficult for them to understand when somebody might say, hey, you know, Kamala Harris, she didn't have the same struggle as, as say, a typical African-American woman whose family goes back generations, um, you know, into the South, you know, who actually have you know, physical descendants of slavery who've been dealing with, you know, Jim Crow their whole life rather than as a woman whose family came here with substantial uh, uh, financial backing and, and got to circumvent 
a substantial deal of those struggles, you know? And uh, so, yeah, definitely we want to think a little bit deeper about those, those, um, those solidarity points when we're, when we're talking about, you know, ethnic identity and things of that nature, um, because they do cross over into politics in, in, in some ways. They cross over in ways that, that might not, you know, be readily apparent. Because especially if you're not raised in, in, in African-American communities, it's very easy to become insular and not, and not identify with some of the struggles that those communities go, with, go through. And, and, and not identifying with those struggles, you might decide that it's a good idea to try to penalize truancy with threatening people with jail time. Whereas in America, threatening ethnic minorities with jail time is a, is a, is a very old trope. It's a very tired trope, one that you might not actually fully understand coming from maybe uh, a, a Jamaican background, whereas that has its own nuanced issues to deal with the, the, the interchange between politics and social life. So, you know, that's just uh, one of the points that I saw that I didn't think was very well expounded on by most of the pundits, you know. Everyone just automatically, you know, says you're being racist if you don't identify. No, it's not being racist. It's, it's identifying that I don't know anyone in her community, nor do I, I, I believe that her parents taught her to identify culturally with something that wasn't part of her history. You know, it's, and that's just, and that's what makes it disingenuous. And when someone's being disingenuous about something as base as that, it's the same problem that Elizabeth Warren has when you see how disingenuous she is about her heritage. Like, why are we playing identity politics? You know, on the left, there's so, there's so many more important things that we could be talking about, that we could be bringing to the forefront, you know, to, to try bring people together rather than, you know, identifying with people based around bullshit identity politics. And so, um, yeah, I think that, once again, it just does a huge disservice, muddying the waters, making it more difficult for people to, to, to make it through this political morass, to, to, to get through the social, um, social issues that separate us on a political level. And with that being said, we could move on to the next topic, and this will be our last one for today. And uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit lighter one, albeit much nerdier. And uh, I want to touch on one of the games I'm playing now that uh, we've been having fun while she watches, and uh, that's Death Stranding, which is an amazing game. And it really challenges the idea that, that uh, video games are for kids that I know is very popular throughout the culture. But it's, a, it's an amazing, uh, I would say, sci-fi horror drama um, with tons of cutscenes to keep people entertained. And so it's actually, throughout the course of the game, it's probably 10 plus hours of cutscenes. But um, the art style is amazing. The story direction is amazing. It's actually casted with a lot of um, high-profile uh, actors like Norman Reedus and, um, and Guillermo del Toro, among others. But yeah, it's, uh, I would highly recommend it. And it comes along with some really heavy um, philosophical uh, uh, themes in it. You know, uh, it harkens back to a lot of allegories to like American Reconstruction and things like that. You know, uh, the director, Hideo Kojima, did a great job of, of, I think, you know, really presenting a, a, a interesting look at what a post-apocalyptic world could look like and some of the issues that would pop up, um, some of them more, you know, fantastic, like, uh, you know, the, the uh, in-game monsters called BTs, um, and some of them just more mundane, just dealing with the idea of not having infrastructure and having to repair that infrastructure and 
in new and interesting ways with technology. Yeah, it's just a really uh, interesting foray into into uh, a, a dramatic world in the medium of video games, which um, is very much more interactive than than your typical medium. Um, but I would highly recommend it. Of course, I know not a lot of people um, will have time to do something like that. But yeah, it's um, it's an interesting play on the PS4. Um, and speaking of video games, you know, there's been a lot of other news in the industry that I think I'll touch on real quick. And uh, things like the, the new Pokemon that came out, which I've been a fan of the series for probably 20 plus years now since its inception. And uh, it's interesting to see that they're making the jump to consoles. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing some of the things that came about uh, where they diminished the the character list or the Pokedex that they call it in game. Um, and uh, their lack of really updating the visual um, aesthetic of the game in terms of animations for the char uh, for the Pokemon and so forth. So it'll be an interesting play. I haven't actually delved into that one yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, video games are, are definitely taking an interesting turn. And I look forward to see what the next uh, the next year brings, especially in 2020. Uh, there's a lot of upcoming hits that are that are looking very exciting. Um, you have your Cyberpunk 2077, which is interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, this development cycle has been very interesting. It's gone away from the typical AAA studio cycle of development um, to go to a more um, developer-centric, uh, community-centric model, which I think is going to be very healthy, you know. Um, it'll be interesting because the current industry can't be sustained with, with how people are are developing games or uh, at least the large industry uh, the large um, developers are such as like EA and your Activisions because you know they're 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 pushing away their consumer base and and it's gonna be really interesting to see what some of these new titles do uh, that are coming from studios that are not as geared towards those those large uh, development cycle uh, production houses but um, yeah there's also Final Fantasy 7 remake which does come from one of the larger studios but one that has been uh, a lot more apt to stick towards the artistic side of the video games, even if they have let some of the more um, contemporary monetization methods come into their games. So uh, that's uh, another one to look out for. But yeah, you know, with that being said, uh, I really appreciate you giving me some of your time today to come and just talk about a few things that I think are interesting, you know, try to touch on some diverse topics. And uh, yeah. I look forward to talking about more interesting and, uh, and varied topics with you guys on the next episode of Heron's Home. Thank you and have a great day.